This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Do you ever wonder when Spider-Man goes to the bathroom if the toilet paper sticks to his fingers? Do you ever wonder why Superman wears his underwear outside of his pants? My name is Imran. My name is Anthony. He's the jock! And he's the nerd. And we're your hosts for the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where we sometimes try to attempt to answer these questions. This is a full spoiler podcast, and we swear a lot. Check it out for awesome geek news, interviews, and comic book reviews. Visit jockandnerd.com. We are your superhero TV, movies, and comic book culture curators. Boom. Jockandnerd.com. Jockandnerd! You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. To another episode of Wookie Radio, it is the Smugglers Three. Derek, Kent, and myself, Mike. How you guys doing? All right, not bad. If my voice will actually hold out, <laughs> I am seriously thinking next year when it's time for me to renew the my license plate on my car, I'm going with Smuggler One. <laughs> see if I could do a custom plate. Cool. So, um, I guess just real quick business side of things. See how fast I can do this. And still maintain legibility. Check out the homepage. Right hand sides our affiliates. Also, two are our partners, Heroes and Villains, and Found Me. For those two, use the code Smugglers for fifteen percent off your first purchase. Also, two our web store. It's the one that's got the rotating pictures where you can find all our logo. Merchandise. Uh, I believe I have a T T public link up that will take you to our store where you get porgs. It's what's for dinner, and we are working on other designs for that store. Um, so yeah, check them out. And hey, Christmas is coming right around the corner. Treat yourself, treat a loved one, and the heroes and villains. They've got some great stuff. Uh, we have not been disappointed with anything from them. So, um, before we get into the show, I have a theory that I read online that I want to present to you guys, and I don't know if y'all should be scared or not. Oh, we live in a constant state of fear. True. Oh, that reminds me, after I have something that I read that clarifies something from last week. Ah. So here's the theory. Fan theory is... When we see Luke Skywalker for the first time at the end of Force Awakens, a.k.a. or beginning of The Rise of Skywalker, or um, The Last Jedi, he's already dead. 
I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't either. Supposedly he had died prior to the films, and what we're seeing is a a stronger force ghost projection. Mm. <clears throat> but still doesn't, still doesn't make sense how he's able to drink, quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> Why would he be doing all those stupid chores if he's dead already? To help keep the illusion. Mm. The, no. o- the only thing that would help make that believable is the fact that we do see his crashed X-Wing in the water. Yeah, but that's also, we know that supposedly he went there to, and did not plan on ever leaving that planet. So what you do, you smash the, you drop the X-Wing into the ocean so that you don't, aren't tempted to to move on, you know, and leave. True. But since he is a Jedi, he could pull it out at any time if he wanted to. Yeah. So theory is interesting. Just like my theory that he's still alive at the end of Last Jedi, there's lots of holes in it. Yeah. Well, we will find out in about two months. This is true. That's my theory that we're going to find out in about two months. That's true. So, um, let's go ahead. Well, before we do that. That's right. That's right. Yeah, the clarification. So, last week when we were discussing the trailer, we couldn't figure out the part where they were destroying the statue. And it looks like... According to the Star Wars show, that was indeed a shrine to Darth Vader. Okay. Which makes me almost wonder, then, is this, the bowcaster and the bandolero in the back a shrine as well? Possibly. And that this is not just a imperial museum. It's a museum of the New Republic, of times that were. I don't know. I don't think it's a New Republic Museum. One, the architecture is all Empire uh, direct. And why would the New Republic Museum have a shrine to Darth Vader? No, I okay. think this is Kylo perfect personal quarters or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, Mandalero could also be from that. Because remember, growing up as Han and Leia's kid, Uncle Chewie was probably a large part of his life. This is true. This is true. Well, let's get into some Star Wars Resistance. Uh, epi- this was episode four? I believe so. Or is it episode five? I don't remember. I think it's four. So um, this one was titled Hunt on Cellsore 3, which overall, before we get into Bucket's List from StarWars.com, what did you guys think of the episode? It's all right. I think it's like a lot of the other episodes have been where they're fun, but there's not a whole lot to them, but they're still fun. Yeah. yeah. And this one didn't tie in as directly to the movies as the other ones have. Yeah. No. I agree. Side more into back into itself or into the previous episode. So, uh, number one item on the bucket list or on buckets list. Henceforth, you shall be known as the Jakusk and Selsor Three appeared in the previous episode, Live Fire, but went unnamed. Now the name is finally revealed on in this episode. Um, number two, I called the big one Bitey. At one point during the food shortage, Olzo was to remark that he was out of Gorgs, to which Flix and Orca would hide their pal Bitey. Okay. Uh, number three, the old ways. Kragan's wistful regulation of pirates hunting creatures 
recalls ancient seafaring whaling days on our planet, uh, according to Pablo Hildago. And he's likely referring to an eight, to ancient vessels pursuing pergil or space slugs. That would actually make sense. That it, um, the reference whaling here, but pergil, hunting pergil would probably be the Star Wars equivalent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number four. Thanks, Tam. An earlier draft of the episode had Kaz buying the heavy blaster from Flix and Orca with Tor's money since Kaz is always broke, but it was simplified to be a project abandoned by Tam. Yeah. Well, also, if you go back and look at the um, the way this is, is nobody on the Colossus has food. Yeah. So why would uh, Flix and Orca not just give him the blaster so they could get food for them? Mm. True. But I think they would I still just, try, I still think they would try and profit from it. Well, yeah, but they wouldn't, it's not like it'd be a huge thing for them. Right. Now, this one was interesting. Uh, outerwear inspiration for Kaz and Toro's heavy coats. I originally hoped to design something that harkened back to the original Empire Strikes Back crew jackets, according to Amy Beth Christensen. Uh, the final design of Kaz's coat has a lot of same quilting and details of the crew jacket, but to keep color, uh, Kaz's color schemes, but kept to Kaz, Kaz's color schemes. Toro's coat ended up being inspired by the jacket that Leia wears in Echo Base. Yeah, and you look at the designs with the picture right beside it of the originals, and you can see the inspiration there. But it's cool because it's like you can see it's um, in the same from the same worlds, but it's not the exact same thing we've already seen. Right. Because <clears throat> Leia's is is a layered look. It's a vest on top of the winter coat. Yeah. Where this is kind of built into it all. Uh, number six tastes like Jakusk. A gag cut from the episode was that Jakus meat tastes horrible, although Bolzo loves it. Rather than go for the laugh, the Colossus crew was instead allowed to a gastronomic victory. Yeah, that, that would have been gag that really wasn't needed. Yeah. Yeah. And then this last one, uh, I, I recognized it right away when I saw it. Galactic Grilling. The meat grill at the end of the episode bears a striking resemblance to the grill seen at Ronto Roasters at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. It's purely a coincidence. They were designed separately and turned out nearly identical. So how close is this concept to actually what Ronto Roasters looks like? Um, Well, with the grilling pit, the only difference is the grilling pit at Ronto Roasters uses a pod racing engine. Okay. As the griller. Um, other than that, I did not see the, I didn't, I did not see the droid that they used to turn the spick. I think it was one of, uh, Aunt B's, um, cantina droids, not, not the torture droid that we saw in, in, uh, Return of the Jedi. But there, there are some similarities. And obviously this one's going to be a bit smaller for the cantina as opposed to what would be at an outside venue. Yeah. But I thought it was a cool nod. I'm like, okay, this is cool. I recognize this right away. <laughs> Bit smaller, but I recognize it. Uh, then there was a updated menu. Bulba's old Gorg signs. Olza's old Gorg signs were crossed out and now advertised Jakusk meat. <laughs> and then... Uh, Number nine, which I thought this was this was a good comedic moment. Uh, the seagull mm-hmm. flying into the sky projection 
was very late and was a very late and hilarious addition to the episode. Sorry, Seagull. That's when the Seagull goes splat. That's how you get it to stop it now. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was cool. Yeah. Well, that was a cool idea because I didn't see um, – it felt weird that Niku was actually getting ready to leave. And I actually bought it the whole time until I saw that um, sky kick on. Uh, when I saw the sky kick on, then I realized, oh, wait, that's got to be Niku. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't pick – until he said it, I didn't realize he had sold all of his stuff to be able to do it. But Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't catch it either. So it was, it was a nice, nice surprise. It really was. Well mm-hmm. – uh, next up, and I'm sorry, Kim, but you're you're our trailer guru. <clears throat> see how I'll well see you can. But speaking yeah. of which, time to talk it's about not... the Mandalorian trailer. Hey, that's from yeah. some that's from some backwood planet. <laughs> Let me slow this down so I can. Okay, I'm bringing it up. I'm a, all zeros right now. I'm going to put it at half speed. Because there's not as much hidden, I don't think, in this as there was in the start, the episode nine trailer. But right. we start off in the, what we already saw, where it's the um, stormtrooper helmets out on the sand, which is looks great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I'm gonna go to full speed with this. <sighs> See him walking by shots we've already seen. The heads on pikes, which actually that very much reminds me of um, the cover of uh, what is it the the Star Wars horror novels, Death Troopers. Death Troopers, yes. That very much looks like the cover of Death Troopers. A little less blood on them. So we're moving through there. You get Now, these things, uh, they're not going to be, because it looks like these are two-legged, but they look very much like dewbacks. Yeah. Riding along a ridge. Maybe it's worth they're going doing, to three-quarter speed. It, hmm? Maybe it's worth going three-quarter speed. Yeah. So uh, it looks like we got dewbacks. Like I said, it looks like they're two-legged, though, not right. four-legged. Right. So everything they're showing seems like they're trying to make it look like Tatooine and not be Tatooine. There's a couple other shots later that it's the same, similar to this. Right. With that idea. Then we see the Mandalorian in a valley of some sort, kind of like the Junlin Wastes, and being attacked by two Trandoshans. Which looks awesome. Mm-hmm. And we can see that, you do get to see that his um, rifle, the forks on the front are actually a stun, uh, like a taser almost. Yeah. When he uses it there. So it looks like, and then later on when you see him aim it, there's actually a hole where the rifle barrel would be between those forks. Right. So it looks like it. It is obviously a rifle, but it's got a force pike or a um, stun blood, stun stick on the end of it. Then we yeah. see actually being carbon frozen. You can't really tell what it is, but it's probably whoever the first one they show us is. That doesn't look like a transdotion, though. No, this isn't. But the voiceover on this, you get about um, bounty hunters and how um, and uh, what it's like to be a bounty hunter and things. Now, we're not listening to the voiceover now, obviously, but then we get to see the Razor Crest uh, dropping out of light speed and going across the planet like we've seen before. Some of these shots are new. Some are we've been around for a while on the old trailers. Right. We get to look through a full cantina. That is a good looking ship, I must say. Yes. I, I, I love how uh, before that um, they're offloading all these carbonite slabs yeah i mean we see th- three that are already on the side fourth one coming down and it looks like there's one or two looks like there's another one ready to be lowered well th- you remember there was um four or five of them sitting there when we see it in the shop before yeah well obviously this was a gang of people or something that he took down actually let me zoom back just a little see if i can count how many slabs are here looks like smoking this is good yeah, there's four on the. There's four of them standing there. So if you go back to that other shot, right. So we but go back moves in, to the cantina. Huh? Yeah, we see him in the cantina, and the awesome thing is right front and center. You see a Rodian. Mm-hmm. So we got to see people we recognize, or at least aliens. Yeah, that's one thing I like about what I've seen of this series so far. 
we get to see some familiar aliens and such. Mm-hmm. And some of this, I think, um, the footage from this, I think some of this is actually from the uh, D23 footage that n- they didn't ever release. Could be. All of us have I've seen already, but <laughs> when we get shots of everybody watching him, then he moves into the back to Werner Herzkov's um, room with all of the stormtroopers. When he leaves, he basically takes out everybody. Now, oh, great. Let me go back just a second. The guy that walks out behind him, I can't tell if he's in binders or not. Mm. I don't know if that guy's a prisoner. I can't I tell. What's well, another one that two weeks will know? It looks like he might be, but it's hard to tell. You only mm-hmm. see split second. Next, we see a kid looking up and ra- lifting his hand at someone. Uh, it looks like the way they're framing this, that he's actually trying to shake the hand of the Mandalorian. But those robes almost look like Night Sister robes. Yeah. yeah. Does he have a webbed hand, or is it just the way he looks? I think it's just the way they look. Hang on. Might just be the angle or something. That might actually be a webbed hand. Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell for sure. Yeah, let me slow, slow down a little bit more. No, there's something going on with that hand. Mm. I think it's just the camera angle. I guess we'll have to wait for two weeks to find out. Then we see an explosion in a new ship that we've not seen yet, but this is another one that looks like it's in that um, Rise of Skywalker trailer. Some people were saying it looked like an old droid ship, droid drop it's ship. Not, yeah, kind of, yeah. So I've heard, I've seen some headlines somewhere about seeing prequel droids in this trailer somewhere. That does almost look, that's what it, why it looks so familiar. It looks like a droid drop ship almost. Yeah, go to, if you, when you go to the next scene. There they are, yeah, those are, those are super battle droids behind these people. Yep. Oh, that's cool. That we're seeing prequel stuff. Very interesting. If they'll get past all these words. The loves the squid face being dragged back in. Yeah. <laughs> and which, if you've seen the um, footage from D23, you know what happens after this. And this one creature looks similar to uh, what we see on Genosis. Yeah, I was wondering if it's not a, um, another form of a reek. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. One that's kind of like a rhino. Because the Ackley is the uh, spider-looking one, or the crab. And the next two was the um, saber-toothed tiger-looking one. Right. It definitely looks like Wild Reek. So, what was that, Mike? The Ugnaught. Uh, supposed to be who playing that? Nick Nolte. It almost, looks like, it almost looks like Nick Nolte. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. We get some speeder bikes to cross the sand. Lone Mandalorian. Basically pushing the whole lone gunman idea. Then, wait a minute. Let me back that up. Where the um, Razorcrest is getting chased by something. Uh, On that, does that ship behind look familiar, kind of? Another yeah. prequel, possibly? Looks like a vulture droid. It does. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm seeing yellow on the cockpit area. I was wondering if that's possibly a Naboo Starfighter. No. I don't think so. It definitely looks like a vulture droid. Okay. Well, I think we're going to see more uh, prequel stuff than people are expecting. I think so, too. Then we get a, sh- a shot of Carl Weathers' crew. Yay, Carl Weathers. And Gina Carano. Lots of shots of the Mandalorian walking across the desert by himself. <laughs> Without a horse with no name. Mm-hmm. We get a look at IG-11. <sighs> I love this character. That's going to be awesome. To see it this same scene, but... To, to see this type of droid in action doing something. Yeah. That's the Very best cool. part. Yeah. Which is in action in general, because remember, all, the IG-88, all we saw is him standing there. He never right. actually moved. Yeah. So the next thing we see a woman with the Mandalorian. It looks like this is going to be a love interest of some sort because it looks like she's about she's trying about to remove his helmet. No you know, helmet at some point. No, I want to keep him a man of mystery. Yeah, 
Well, you had well, a of firefight, and this other guy with a third blaster on his shoulder is kind of cool. Do yeah. you, um, does that look at all familiar to you? Which one? The guy with the blaster on his back. The actual blaster on his back. Possibly, hang on. I believe, if I remember correctly. It looks like a regular handheld blaster. It doesn't look like it's actually part of the suit. It looks like the suit is holding it or something. Um, hold on a second. There was a... I want to say it was Dash Rendar. Had a backpack that had a blaster on it. I don't remember. Or maybe it was just the toy. I don't remember. But I've definitely seen that before. A backpack with like a an arm and a blaster that comes out. Yeah. Well, we do see in the next shot that the, this Mandalorian has a lot of the same armaments that Boba Fett had. Because he has the wrist shooting um, cable, which we saw earlier with the um, Corrin. But also, he's um, attached to a TIE fighter and, get, and flying through the air trying to catch up to it, which with that Imperial... Um, what's that guy's rank? Is he a lieutenant or what was he? I don't General, remember. Like a colonel? Mm. Well, he's inside of the TIE fighter, which is cool because you don't usually get to see the hatch of a TIE fighter. Yeah. Well, the, the, the other cool thing was, too, that um, that looked almost reminiscent from the whole... Uh, oh, shoot. From, from Clone Wars. Death Watch, how the Mandalorians reacted on during Death Watch. Oh, okay. When when they would bring the ships in. Or and even during Rebels, how they would you know use the jetpacks to fly and then here's a ship, let's try and attach to it. Yeah. I I, I thought that was I wonder cool. if he have a jetpack. Because some Mandos had them, some some don't. True. Maybe he's got one of those that he does have it. Yeah. Well we know Boba had one, so Right. Next we get the shot, like I said, of the um of his blaster, he's getting ready to fire it. You see that there is uh, the barrel does come right between those forks, so Yep. And then after we see the actual title, I think that's when we actually get his voice for the first time as well. Okay. I don't know, I have the sound off, so Yes, I think there was, yes. And we do know that November twelfth we will be getting this uh, day and date day one of yep. um Disney Plus. Episode one. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then three days later, episode two. Yep. And then a week. <laughs> <laughs> so that the fir- is the Triumphorian. So the first week we're getting two episodes. Second week is just one, correct? Or do we yes. get two the second week? Nope. No, you, just one. One, you get one and it stays on track on Fridays, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Until you get to December 18th, which drops on Tuesday instead of Friday. Then the next week it goes back to Friday. Right, because of Rise of Skywalker. Which is another reason I'm wondering if they're not... Um, because being streaming, it doesn't matter if it drops on Friday that people watch it right away. Because people are still going to watch it. It doesn't matter because it's streaming. They're right. not worried about right. um, day one metrics. So I'm right. wondering if um, that 18 doesn't have something that helps set up Rise of Skywalker. Or Rise of Skywalker has something in it that is something from Mandalorian. I had thought of that too. Well, we talked yeah. about in the one trailer that we thought we saw the we was Razor's Edge in it, or Razor's mm-hmm. Crest in that scene. But that picture almost looks like it was red, which it could have been repainted at some point, because in this we see it's more predominantly blue. So it may just be the same type of ship. Maybe. The other but thing, there's, you know, there's years between the two. Yeah. Like 30 years, so who knows? 
I'm assuming it's the same ship because ships like this in Star Wars, usually when they're used, they're specific um, ships that are um, known as like Slave One. They've never shown anybody else that has a ship that looks like Slave One. Right. right. The Millennium Falcon, sure. we talked about it in books that the Corellian light freighter was there. We've really not seen any that are not the Millennium Falcon. The ships sure. that are the ships that people know, they don't usually put more than one of those in the universe. Well, now, in the books, they did all kinds of stuff for the, having uh, other freighters that were identical to the Millennium Falcon almost. But that was in the old EU. Right. Well, according to StarWars.com, here's some six things we should be excited for from this trailer. One, the Majestic nice. Lurg. That's the name of the creatures that are carrying the rider into whatever. Okay. They're called Blurgs. B-L-U-R-R-G. Hmm. Uh, Transdotions in action. Think two Transdotions can take on the Mandalorian? Think again. Hmm. They think they can. <laughs> uh, the Razor's Crest Cargo. A carbonite encased quarry encased can be seen gliding down the ramp of the Master Warrior ship, effortlessly floating toward a row of similarly... Similarly... Blah. Similar fated fr- friends. Uh, number four, Quarren captured. We previously seen a version of this moment, and now we get a longer look at the alien in the Mandalorian sights. Uh, number five, a new creature. A row of crooked teeth and a massive horn makes this fearsome beast a force to be reckoned with. By the looks of it, not even the Mandalorian containment. And then number six, that daring leap onto a tie. Although we have yet to learn much about the armored warrior at the heart of this series, one look at him leaping onto what appears to be the cockpit of a TIE fighter suggests he'll stop at nothing to complete his mission. Yeah, and with that, it looks like that the base for this show may actually be um, a bounty taken out on that Imperial. Or at least for season one. Yeah, because other, other than that, why would he be chasing him down so hard? True. Being that this is a show about a bounty hunter, they've made that perfectly clear that that is his uh, motivation in this. Well, right. unless he, he's turned on him for whatever reason. Yeah. So um, now this came out over the weekend before the trailer dropped. Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry. I think a lot of people, I'm just going to come out and say it. A lot of people who are saying this is Disney's doing and, or Lucasfilm's doing are over are are being stupid and not reading the story mm-hmm. and that is uh there is a setback in the star wars franchise because david benioff and db weiss have exited from their contracts because of an exclusive they signed with netflix which we kind of questioned uh i think when this initially happened i think we questioned it over on weeby geeks yeah, I think so. What's going to happen? Well, now we know. Um, being off and Weiss are are done. Yeah. So I wonder. I this is something that uh, Lucasfilm and them had come together and knew about this a long time ago. They just hadn't announced it because um, we were wondering. Obviously, remember when they said they had three? Uh, Lucasfilm had said, or Bob I. Bob Iger, all of them had said there was three new movies coming up, but they had signed um, Ben Affleck Weiss had a trilogy. Ryan Johnson supposedly has a trilogy, and we didn't heard um, Kevin Feige is coming be- coming in to do a movie. Mm. So I was like, wait a minute, if there's only three movies, how are all these people doing something? Yeah. Right. So um, that's why I, I'm wondering, even when they announced back then, if uh, they hadn't already realized that Ben Affleck Weiss was probably going to step out. I don't know. 
And I've read a lot, some other than this one, talking about how uh, Benioff and Weiss really, they've never really um, produced more than one thing at a time. Right. Whereas a lot most of your A-list producers have seven or eight or nine movies going all at once. Well, here, here's the other interesting part. That means, too, the Game of Thrones prequel is dead in the water as well. Yeah, they made that announcement, I believe, this uh, this week also. No, only one of them is. There's one that's still happening. Their Their prequel is dead in the water. That they yeah, there's, and theirs was supposed yeah. to take place what a thousand years before the events of yeah, Game of Thrones, like which is what we were kind of hoping with with uh, Benioff and Weiss is that they were going to go into the old Republic mm. or tales from the Jedi stories for inspiration. We may still get that. We may, but it's not going to be from them. Yeah, well, we know Ryan Johnson said even when they first announced this that he's going into somewhere that's never been explored and uh, with characters we've never seen. Okay. Now, we Dave Filoni moving more into live action also, helping out with The Mandalorian and things. Maybe he's going to help John, with Johnson and take a bigger role in the story group, which we've been asking for for years. True. Now, we um, we haven't got to it, but the Kevin Feige information is interesting about this also, the, that things are not happening like we expected, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, oh, keep hearing myself. I am trying to find that second half. It's towards the end of the article from Variety. Uh, where, where is it? Okay. Um, now with all of this, it's sources at Lucasfilm are saying that Kennedy's job is still secure. Um, despite the fact that insiders at talent agencies believe Tom filmmakers, that the top filmmakers may become wary of working on, on the series. Um, but when the welcome news was revealed that Kevin Feige Feige. uh, will be working on a standalone film. That led to speculation that Feige might be brought in to stabilize Lucasfilm. But insiders say there are no plans to give him a larger role in that division. Yeah, I can't see that. I mean, he's got enough on his plate with Marvel. Yeah, Yeah, especially if you put him into the new position there. Yeah. So there's no way I can see him taking over Star Wars to... Like I said, the only way it could potentially happen is if he's named head of Marvel Entertainment or or Marvel Studios since they're still separate. Or no, they 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 just got combined no, last week. And that too. That you know what I mean? He's he, up he, higher than Marvel Studios because he's now the um head for what is it? the head of all of Marvel, creative head, chief creative yeah. officer. He's the CCO for all of Marvel. Mm-hmm. So not only would he become that, but also head of Lucasfilm as a combined thing, and he gives Filoni the reins to Lucasfilm. That'd be the only way it, it could have potentially worked out in a good manner. See, I would love to Filoni do um, basically what they've just done with um, Feige over Marvel, making him CCO of Marvel. Put Feige as CCO in Lucasfilm, chief creative officer. Yeah, let him guide so. go. I think so. That's the way it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Did you mean now, did you mean Feige or or? No, that Filoni. Filoni be CCO of Lucasfilm. Yeah. Oh, because Ken said Feige. Yeah. Oh, sorry. But <laughs> uh, now that's this is all assuming that uh, Filoni wants that position, right? I'm wondering because um, they also mentioned how uh, Benioff and Weiss this past summer went on vacation, quote unquote, to Italy 
and just happened to meet up with George Lucas there. I'm wondering, as with all these filmmakers going back to talk to Lucas, I'm wondering if Lucasfilm may not um, put out feelers again to see if Lucas is willing to come in to help out with some stuff and figure get get Star Wars going in the right direction again. I mean, we're not going in the wrong direction now, but right. as we keep saying, we need a through line. Right. We need a specific direction, not just everything doing what it wants to do. And I think that's why Filoni needs to be in that place. I think he's the only one who who shares a similar vision of what Lucas has had. Well, there's plenty of guys that there that have it. The problem is they're not the ones that are in the creative positions like this. Like Pablo Hidalgo probably could, would be awesome in this, but he's not a screenwriter in things. You no. know, they have been there since the beginning that know all the same stuff, but they don't have the same skill set. Right. Filoni's got that skill set. Yes. So uh, speaking of skill sets, maybe uh, Rise of Skywalker scores the best first day Adam ticket sales for a Star Wars film. Not just that, though. They blew away Avengers big time. Yep. They are sitting at the um, number one record breaking um, first hour of any pre-ticket sale. And yet there was supposed to be a protest from Star Wars fans over this film. Well, not only that, that but I keep, I keep seeing his headline pop up all the time. They keep saying, oh, this this movie is tracking to be the lowest, um, the lowest, making the least amount of money of all the films and all this shit uh, stuff. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like if if they sold out their, pre, their pre-sale tickets so much, you know, why, why, why is this coming out about oh they're they're not going to be making money and blah 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 you know it's just it's ridiculous well even if this is tracking to be lower than the other two um sequel trilogy movies the last jedi with all the controversy that it had and people saying oh i hated that movie still made 1.34 billion dollars at the box office yeah so i don't think we're going to have a problem when it comes to box office for this no i don't think so i don't either Especially when they say um, Rise of Skywalker set the first hour record on um, that Monday night, selling 45% more tickets than Endgame did in their first hour. Mm. There also were um, 2.5 times as many tickets as in the first day of pre-sales for The Last Jedi. Right. Which now, I guess, Last Jedi is in fourth place after Aquaman and Endgame. Mm. Endgame's number two, Aquaman's number three for pre-sale tickets for the first hour. Wow. Yeah. So I don't think we're going to have a problem. I don't think so either. And I, and I think those who are who are uh, griping about it, please. I mean, you're, you're, you're complaining just to complain. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, well, also, and your complaining is not working because yeah, obviously, ticket sales sh- prove otherwise. Yeah, if they're complaining, they still bought tickets, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So you must be one of those people who is waiting to see a train wreck and going to find out, yeah, it might have been a close miss or near miss, and the movie's actually pretty decent. Well, the other side of that is what we've been saying all along. The, um, the people that are saying this is a very, very small, very, very vocal minority. Mm-hmm. Exactly. A lot of big noise, so it looks like there's a whole lot of them, but there's not that many. I agree. The majority, the the major majority of Star Wars fans are the silent majority. We sit back, just enjoy the movies, and keep on moving. Yep, I agree. I, I still say, we've not mentioned it in a while, but if you're enjoying what you're seeing, 
Get out there and let everybody know. Don't sit back and just watch the movies. Oh, that was fun. Let everybody know you had a good time. What did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? The only way you're going to beat that vocal minority is if you have an even more vocal majority. Yeah. Have fun with what you have fun with. Yep. Well, Empire Strikes Back writer Lawrence Kasdan is done with Star Wars. This was a really a surprise. Um, While the fan response to Solo Star Wars story was positive enough for a film that not many fans of the saga were asking for, um, even though Han Solo is one of the more popular characters in the franchise, there was not a huge demand among the community to see his origin story. Uh, I don't know. I disagree. Um, Yeah, I think enough people are excited about it, but we'll see. I don't think there was a huge demand for it until they mentioned that it was going to happen. Then mm. people got bored. Right. Now, before that, what movies might be coming, I, Solo was not one of the first ones out there, I think. No. I think Kenobi, Yoda's backstory, things like that were higher up on the list for what people wanted to see. Boba Fett. Yeah. yeah. Which almost happened except for a little disaster on Fantastic Flop 2015, which led to Trank's dismissal. Yeah. Um, but during a discussion at Austin Film Fest, screenwriter Lawrence Kasdan revealed that uh, he was done with the Star Wars, with Star Wars movies after his experience making Solo a Star Wars story. Apparently, Lucasfilm tried to keep him involved in the ongoing franchise, even sending a messenger to hand-deliver a script about a project that Kasdan never even looked at. Because I never saw this poor messenger they sent. I said, I can't take it. I don't. I didn't want it to sit down. I didn't want to sit down and read someone else's Star Wars movie. I'm just not interested in Star Wars. Uh, He then added, don't think for a second. I don't know how lucky I am that they're sending a Star Wars script to my door. And I could say, no, I won't accept it. You have to be in a very privileged situation to do that. And I don't ever take that for granted. Um, now, he did say that working with his son, John Kasdan, um, was a very good experience. But that interference from Lucasfilm and Disney ultimately contributed to the film's underperformance. Uh, as Kasdan explains, then the studio blew it. But that's not unusual. Uh, Which Kasdan, is kind of what was happening anyway. Kasdan, yeah. The Kasdans are rumored to be involved in the upcoming Indiana Jones revival, but for now, Lawrence Kasdan is currently working on the mob movie November Road. Yeah. Well, what he said there about the studio blowing it, we said that from the beginning that uh, they blew it starting with the marketing. Oh, yeah. They started the marketing way too late. Well, and, and also... movies to last, last Jedi. Also, too, just like with Galaxy's Edge, when they decided to release it, they blew it there as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because I'm sorry... Galaxy's Edge should have opened here in Florida first. If they really wanted to go after the money and black out annual pass holders, they should have done it here first. Because we're a worldwide destination. Yeah. And they should have had yeah. it. They should have pushed. Asshole. And they should have. you have a um, amount of people that are um, like week passes and stuff like that. Yeah. Then you do where Anaheim is more of a, um, you get all your locals go there. Right. And a lot of them are annual pass holders. Whereas, I mean, we do get the park hoppers who, you know, they come in for the week, it's 10 days, whatever, and buy the park hoppers to jump. But Memorial Weekend, we should have had it here. They should have pushed studios a little harder to get theirs up sooner. Mm. And they think they could have made their money. And again, like I said, you could have blacked out your, your annual pass holders for June and July. Because, yeah, there's a bunch that come down during that time period, but there's a bunch that don't either because it's Florida. It's hot here. Mm -hmm. Um, But, again, 
you, you had your international tours that would have kept it going and been fine. Then you open Galaxy's Edge, California, Labor Day weekend, not black out your locals. And then you're fine because, yeah, kids are back in school, but you're still going to have your locals coming out during that time period. Right. We said the same thing about Solo. Putting it out in May, in the middle of, you know, bouncing it between Deadpool 2 and Avengers Affinity War. Yeah. And only a couple of months after The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. That should have been a end of August Labor Day weekend and that they came out then it would have been no problem. Because that would have put nine months between it and Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. But Star Wars is sitting in the hands of the marketers. Yep. And unfortunately, I feel like this all the new marketers are are this younger generation and they just don't know how to market. Well, they don't know how to market this. Um there's some I'm, stuff they get right. I'm going to say a lot of this generation just does not know how, or a lot of the, the, the younger generation don't know how to market in general. And I say that because of how the sports teams around here in Orlando are done. And it shouldn't be. It really shouldn't. Yeah. So um, now going back to Rise of Skywalker, there was apparently another cleverly hidden Easter egg in the movie. Yeah, we totally missed this one. Maz Kanata. The thing is, we we paused on this scene and stared. Yeah. Looking know. around. I did not see. I see, and, and we're in the picture they're highlighting, I'm still debating whether that is or not. That looks like Maz to me, but. That looks like either a droid or some column in the hangar bay. Either or. At the moment, but I mean, it's too blurry. Now, I haven't seen a good close up picture where someone zoomed in to, sh- to show anything. Um, but apparently, the trailer is showing that Maz is part of the resistance now and is even there to hang and was even there to hang out with Lando. Um, the brief scene shows Lando with several members of the resistance, including Poe, Chewie, Finn, and even Akbar's son. Uh, interestingly, Maz was right there as well because she probably doesn't want to wander too far away from her boyfriend. But in this shot, I don't see Chewie. If you zoom in, that's definitely Maz. Is it? Is it? I didn't know that was Akbar's son. Uh, Chewie is there. He's right behind the sta- the ladder. The okay. cables are on okay. the ladder. If you look, he's sitting opposite uh, Lando. Now, we're not sure how much of a role Maz will play in Rise of Skywalker. Uh, Lupito Nyong'o's hyping the film by giving it a surprising one-word description. Interesting. <laughs> That's her description. Well, well, yeah, this is this one's going to be interesting. Take it as you will. I have only that word, honestly, yeah, I have nothing else. So, uh, curious to see where she goes. To the keepers of the fringe. <laughs> <laughs> this week's word is provocative. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't. I don't know how to take that. I don't know either. I, I don't. I don't know what I don't know. Well, I will say, I'm going to have you tick. Take this next one since you're our gaming guru. I'll let you cover the launch trailer for Jedi Fallen Order. Right. So I'm very excited for Jedi Fallen Order. I've already got my pre order going. And we have seen some gameplay footage 
No. Um, previously released, uh, that was leaked out, and it looks like it's going to, like it's being, it's going to be awesome. awesome. I'm hearing an echo. Yeah. And we'll just talk. It's the, it's the first order trying to, uh, to mess with us. Yes, apparently. But anyway, so we got an official launch trailer for Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And uh, it starts off amazing. First of all, this this particular trailer is Xbox. I will be playing our PlayStation. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we start off with uh, the main character whose name I'm blanking on now. Cal. Cal Custis. Yeah, Cal Custis. Um, he's standing in, uh, I don't know, it looks like a jungle or something. And he's got his droid on his shoulder. I love that droid. I want a droid like that. Yeah. That will ride my shoulder. That's awesome. And all of a sudden, out from the darkness, ooh, we see an Inquisitor, a nice big behemoth. Um, Apparently named the Ninth Sister. <laughs> Excuse me. And Cal uh, pulls out his lightsaber, and you know there's going to be a fight. Hello, I'm the Ninth Sister. <laughs> I'm here to take you out tonight. And then we get uh, sprinkled throughout the trailer. We get some review words, and one of them is impressive from Game Rant. <laughs> Definitely. Ranks right there with Lep- Laputo's interesting. And then, uh, then we cut to another scene where Cal's walking, and you can see looks like a graveyard of Republic ships, and there's a pro- Imperial probe droid flying by. And this That's- is just- it's awesome. It was perfect when they when that comes on the screen. Oh yeah, I know. It was awesome. Then more words. Then we see a stormtrooper walking through a crowd of people who look concerned. We don't and, want uh, words in our trailers. <laughs> and then we see I don't know who that is either. Uh there's somebody talking to Cal. Perhaps a rebel of some sort. Yeah, it's got to be whoever's giving him his missions. Yeah. And they're talking, and they're talking. And, ooh. And we see some uh, great image of uh, some more Inquisitors, some Death Troopers. Yeah, the smaller one there looks like, what was her name? The um, seventh sister or whatever, uh, Sarah Michelle Geller's character from Rebels. Second sister, so, yeah. Second sister, okay. Yeah. I just... Because this is the, the ninth sister. Man, this game looks beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't wait. Cannot and wait. Uh, it looks like the Inquisitors have possibly captured some people, including Cal, but I don't think they realize who he is at this point. And then we see... Scout Trooper doing some great moves. More words. Game of the Year contender. Ah, uh, yeah. I think that's cool. 
flying to hyperspace. Uh, if you look at that bridge, though, that layout looks kind of familiar. That, does that layout not look kind of like the ghost? Oh, yeah, it kind of does. Because you you can see the hatch in the middle down below where you go down to the gunning position in the front. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. See, can we see who the other – nope, that's not the ghost, though, because you yeah. see a highlight of the ship. But the cockpit looks very similar. Yeah. They're almost uh, like, it looks similar to the Twilight, just less boxy. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And they arrive on a planet being blockaded by some Star Destroyers. Oh, if you look, the wing on that, the um, t- up-down wing on that ship rotates independent from the rest of the ship. As, uh, it slides, as it comes in, if you go in slow, you can see it move. Oh, yeah. Which would be another thing that would be similar to the Twilight. Interesting. Right. Um, I'm sorry, provocative. Um. <laughs> you guys should do that like um, Pee Wee Herman used to do with the word of the day where everybody screams if you say it. We we actually were thinking of doing that, but <laughs> we haven't done it yet. <laughs> we talked about it, though. Um, then next we see Cal arrive at some sort of temple, looks like, on another jungle planet. Ooh, and then uh, some sparks and stuff. And uh, we see that is definitely a night sister. That's what I was gonna say. That's got to be a night sister. And uh, she's not happy about him being there. Oh, and then we move on to a fight. Another fight. Some more fighting mechanics. Some great moves. Looks like you're gonna Thanks. be able. To great moves with Cal. Yeah, and these are actual gameplay footage, so it does. It's not that much lower resolution than the cutscenes. No. Mm-hmm. You can definitely see a difference, but it's not that big. No, yeah. It's really cool. There's a good look at that ship. Yeah, and, and you're right. The wing completely goes to the side when it lands. You know, they're not showing the front of that ship. That may be the Twilight. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, but they're de- they're definitely not showing it from the front at all. Mm. The, only, the only thing that keeps me from saying this Twilight is it doesn't look as boxy as the Twilight was. Yeah. Well, you guys also think the difference in the animation style. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And more words. Absolutely killer lightsaber combat. That's what I'm waiting for. We do, we don't want words in our trailer. And then we get another scene of Cal fighting a night sister. I mean, uh, night sister, der. inquisitor. That's gonna be fun. And then fighting, he's fighting an ATST, dodging its blasts. And Which is interesting because earlier we see the um, the original the um, what was it the victory class star destroyers the the Clone Wars star destroyers but this is an Imperial era Scott Walker mm-hmm. which means they're probably brand new too and then some deflecting laser blast with his lightsaber and then oh what's this looks like uh, you get to pilot an ad at at some point. <laughs> As you blow up another at at, then more talking, talky talky talky. Cal picks up his droid. I love that droid. I want that droid. It's in, he's using him to uh, like a zip line. Mm-hmm. The what was it? The ninth sister again? Another yeah. sister? Oh man, that is going to be handsome sister. <laughs> That's that, that actually scares me a little, that fight. And then the title, Star Wars, Jedi Fallen Order. Very cool. 
Oh, One no. thing with droid is you know it's a Star Wars game because you have to have a little droid that rides on your back. They did the same thing in Battlefront 2. Yeah, I love it. I love those droids. I want one. I'm so hyped for this game. I cannot wait. Still, uh, not, still nothing that says when it drops. Uh, it it comes out November 15th. 15th what was that? November 15th. Yeah. Okay. I'm still waiting to see. I think Dio's going to ride on someone's back. He's small enough. There you go. Know if that's possible. What is that giant little in the way? <laughs> it may be possible. Maybe. BBA has a little trap door that Dio rides up inside of. So it's <laughs> Into a giant hamster wheel. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, apparently, contests if you want to get into it, but these are cool books. It's from Star Wars Newsnet. They're giving away two books from Insight Editions. It's Rebel Starfighter's Owner's Workshop Manual, which I have the Death Star one. I want the one for the Falcon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. Because it's got it's the all your Starfighters and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And Star Wars, A Merry Sithmas pop-up book <laughs> now the rebel starfighter owner's workshop manual is from Ryder windham um and this kind of looks like a uh oh i can't think of the name of the company haynes manuals haynes manuals yeah there's another company that did them as well if you went to Pet Boys or AutoZone or Advanced Auto Parts, you used to be able to find them for different cars. Uh, this kind of got a similar thing. It has logo on it. What's that? This one has the Haynes logo right on the cover. Yeah. It makes you wonder how much Haynes actually supported doing this. Well, they at least got their money from it. True. Um, just like the other books, these present a history of the different starfighters that served the Rebel Alliance and the Resistance. It includes design origins, production, and modifications for each starfighter. Uh, uh, it's fully illustrated with numerous photographs, schematics, and exploded diagrams, and computer-generated artwork by Star Wars type by Star Wars vehicle experts Chris Reef and Chris Trevis. Text is by writer Wyndham, author and co-author of more than seventy Star Wars books. This Haynes manual is the most thorough technical guide to Rebel Starfighters available, and is authorized and approved by Lucasfilm. The second book is the Mary Sithmas pop-up book, um, an enchanting journey through the galaxy. Star Wars Mary Sithmas pop-up book includes removable paper pieces, more than two dozen stickers, and a step-by-step instructions to construct and color holiday-themed 3D pop-ups. Each pop-up is easy and fun to build, from Darth Vader and a gingerbread Boba Fett to Chewbacca and a collection of caroling porgs, plus more, for the ultimate Star Wars holiday celebration. So go check out uh, StarWarsNewsNet.com to find out more about their contest. And that brings us to the Smuggler's Archives. Or did we say the Smuggler's Database? No, it's the Smuggler's Database. I think it's what we agreed to. Uh, Books coming out the next couple weeks. Um, in the U.S., we got Journey to the Rise of Skywalker, Resistance Reborn. Uh, it's Poe Dameron, General Leia Organa, Ray, and Finn must struggle to rebuild the Resistance after their defeat at the hands of the First Order in The Last Jedi. Uh, also, too, on Wednesday the 6th is Star Wars number 74, almost to the end. It's... Um, like Greg Pack and Phil Noto, um, can Leia, Han and Leia and Dar Champion survive a head-on battle with the Star Destroyer? What happens when Chewbacca takes on Vader himself in hand-to-hand combat? Well, obviously they both survive, so because because this is all pre-Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. <laughs> um, also on the sixth, Doctor Aphra number thirty-eight. 
a rogue's end. Afra's reunion with her father would have been happier would have been a happier affair if he wasn't a pompous blowhard set to take her job as the Empire's chief archaeologist. Mm. But when, her when, what ahead. issue is ending on? One more time. Do you remember what issue it's that is in, it's ending? Is that the final or I think thirty nine is the final episode. Final no, issue. No. Either thirty nine or forty. Mm. Because I think it may be forty. Because maybe November's got two two issues coming, or final yeah. issue maybe in December. I don't remember. Um, all- we also have Star Wars: Fallen Order, Wars, Dark Wars, Temple Wars, number Wars. four, which apparently is a weekly mini because it's been coming out weekly. That comes out yes. on the thirteenth. Also on the thirteenth is Target Vader number five, which is part five of six. Which we see Valance, who we saw from the original Marvel Marvel series. Now he's part of original canon. But if you've read Solo Imperial Cadet, Valance was one of um, Solo's flight crew mm. crewmates. Right, and he is the reason why Solo was kicked out of the academy because he went mm. back to try and save him. And so, uh, also on the 13th, Star Wars Adventures number 28, Journey to the Rise of Skywalker. And then Star Wars Adventures number volume number seven. It's the uh, graphic novel. And from there, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, on the 27th is Dr. Afro number 39. And then uh, December 11th is Dr. Afro 40, which is the final. Mm. So, and then on the 18th, then the following week is Empire Ascendant. The one shot, which supposedly she dies in. Fair not. We shall see. We shall see. So, any final thoughts? Nope, I got nothing. I have one here quickly that um, you McGregor was actually talking about. Um, was out talking about. Uh, I believe he was out talking for um, Doctor Sleep, but he did confirm that originally this Kenobi series that we're getting was supposed to be a movie, and uh, it was. They did change it after Solo was released. Which everybody remember it had leaked out that they were getting ready to do a Kenobi movie. Right. Well, the plans did change after Solo, and they, they reworked it into a six episode series. So we're going to get six one hour episodes instead of one two hour movie. Okay. So that's going to be interesting to see how they what they did with that. Which, as we've been saying, if they do this, and they are, it is is it that it is expected to be between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. I believe, yeah. So, at which point, I'm kind of glad that they did decide to um, do this. Like we've said, I really don't want to see a Star Wars full-length feature film that takes place all in one place. Right. Yeah. I agree. I think with Kenobi, it would have been great to have the film and have that lead into a series. Yeah. But, I mean, the way we're talking about it now, I, since it's going to be a, just a show, I think it would be great. It's also easier to um, continue that into a second season or a third season because you are, you have it as a show that people are expecting to see more of it. Right. As a movie, you end up shutting down, you finish the movie, then you got to start that all up again. Because uh, you've already let everybody go on, they've moved on to other projects and things. With the show, the people are planning on coming back and doing it again. Right. I agree. So, anything else? Nope. That's all I have. I don't have anything else myself. So, there's only thing one thing left to do. Give the evacuation code signal. Chatter, chatter. 
project. I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2. <laughs> No weapons. You will not need them. Only what you take with you.